Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with the writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. The book, Peace Through Personal Growth, by Sukhvinder Jutla. Mr. Jutla, how are you today, sir? I'm very good, Casey. Thank you very much. I feel very honored uh, that you are uh, interested and uh, asking about the book. And it gives me an opportunity to show the passion with which I wrote the book and the profound message uh, that this book conveys to the world. And it is a powerful message indeed. How did you come to write this book? Okay, so I was, I can still vividly remember where I was and how sick I felt when I was looking at the images of the Twin Towers burning down. And that kind of seared an image in my mind. And I started to question, how can people do that? How can somebody be so angry that they actually carry out something so heinous as that? And uh, that led me to do a lot of thinking myself. Uh, perhaps there are some, some grievances that the terrorists have that, they, that drive them to do that. So it was really the, the burning of the Twin Towers, the 9-11 incident, which got me thinking why people would do that and what can be done to, to counter that and what we can do at our individual level because it's too big to be done uh, by one person or one organization. But individually, perhaps there are, something, there are some things that we could be doing. So that's what motivated me to write this book. So it is a book of... It is a book... Uh, it's a story of hope. Really, it is a story of hope. Sometimes it's very hard to to visualize that, but it is a story of hope. And I and the characters in the story are suffering through the same apprehension, through the same fears that we did at that time. And in future, it could happen again. Something even worse could happen. We don't know, we hope not, but we have to be doing something ourselves. Enough of us have to be doing something ourselves so that we counteract all that hideous crimes against humanity that some very, very misguided people undertake to do. So that's what uh, motivated me to write the book. Wow. Wow. That's very, very powerful. Now, speaking of, is there a scene or character you'd like to highlight during this interview? Well, the the main character of the book is actually his, his name is Sheikh Umid. So this is a fictional story about the very wise Sheikh Umid. He's an imam of a mosque in New York, and he has always been preaching for peace. He's, he's saying to everybody that Islam is a religion of peace, and it is very few, very, very few misguided people who have totally misrepresented Islam and are doing heinous and heinous crimes uh, in the name of Islam, but it, Islam is a religion of peace. So while he's preaching all that, he discovers to his own, to his horror, that his son is a terrorist. So now his world is turned upside down. His wife and the imam, they are absolutely traumatized that after they have been preaching all that, how can their own son become a terrorist? So we follow his experiences from initial shock and deep dismay to really trying to understand what drives ordinarily peaceful humans to extreme violence. And also to acknowledge injustice, again, without 
controlling terrorism. There are injustices happening in the world, but we cannot condone terrorism. So he shares with us the lessons he learns along the way, and by applying some of these lessons in our own lives, we can benefit personally and become active contributors to a peaceful and prosperous world. So this is the this is a message that I want to convey that this actually is still a story of hope despite the very ominous clouds that travel over our heads on any given day. Well, that's a beautiful message. Who do you feel this book appeals to and why? I, I believe this, this book appeals to everybody because although in the case of the imam, he has this very major problem. Now, fortunately, all of us, we don't have problems which are so huge for the world. They are huge for us, but they're not huge for the world. But the, the beauty is that the principles that he adopts to solve his problem, <clears throat> the actions that he takes to solve his problems, are the actions that we can take to solve problems in our lives. So no matter what happens, whether we can solve the problem of world terrorism or not, we personally will benefit immensely, and our life will become much more peaceful and hopeful. Because in this story, I weave in examples of how he deals with the challenge. And we and, and, and all the people who have read this book so far, uh, they have commented on what applies to them in their life and how they have actually benefited and applied some lessons that they learned that the imam has learned. So it is actually applies to everybody and uh, from, from any age. And uh, you, it applies to Muslims, it, it applies to Christians, it applies to everybody. It actually ends up, if people, enough people follow even parts of this message, it will make the world literally a more peaceful place. And this is a very honest claim, but it is also very real. Once you, you read the book, you will start realizing that if enough of us follow this, then the world will become more peaceful. How would you introduce this book to a friend in a few sentences? So to a friend, I will say that this book is it's a fictional book, but it could be real. And it is about uh, the imam whose son has become a terrorist. And he is using all, he learns many, many lef- lessons while tackling this problem. But in the end, he does, he doesn't find the exact solution that he's looking for, but the solutions that he finds are actually even more, even better than what he would have envisaged. So it, it will give uh, how, how we can be more reflective to have a gap between what stimulates us and our response. And it gives you actual examples of how you would apply that in your life. Very nice. When and where does this story take place? Yeah, so the story takes place, uh, it, it follows the life of uh, Sheikh Umid and his wife and his children. So the Sheikh is, is he's born in uh, Afghanistan. His family is born in Afghanistan. And uh, they are uprooted, very violently uprooted. And they have to flee to Pakistan. And one of their daughters is born in a, in, a, in a refugee camp in Pakistan. So then the Sheikh goes to Germany. And he does very well there. He suffers a lot of discrimination because he looks like a typical, um, like a typical hardline Muslim, and he has a lot of difficulty in in Germany. But he perseveres and he learns the language, and he does ends up doing very well. He gets help from a lot of uh, other people. Some Germans they basically take him under. 
his wings, and he learns that, you know, people are actually human beings, are fundamentally equal, they're very nice, and whether you're a German or an Afghani, you can have some Afghanis who are very, very nice, and some Afghanis who are really very, very bad. And you can have Germans who are extremely nice, and there are some Germans who can be very vicious and bad as well. So he learns that. After that, he goes to, his family goes to Pakistan, then they move to India, and then finally they come to the United States. In 1955, they come to the United States. And the story, and the story mostly is in the United States, but then he goes back and visits Saudi Arabia and Afghanistan. He goes back to Afghanistan. And then he goes to England to find out how everything, how, how the life of uh, Muslims is in England and in France. So it covers, it spans his life actually. And it is Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, United States, and uh, that's it. The book, Peace Through Personal Growth by Sukhvinder Jutla. Now, Sukhvinder, tell me how this book is unlike others with similar topics. What sets it apart? What sets it apart is, I would say, it is, it is written one can put themselves in the position of people who are being firsthand affected by terrorism. And there are some very, very touching personal tragedies in the book. Uh, to tell you the truth, even I cried while writing this book. I knew it was fictional, but I could feel myself there. And, and a lot of people who read that book, they also related the same thing. That reading the book, there are some scenes in there where people have been affected by terrorism, by terrorist activities. Uh, they, the readers also were crying. But overall, it's very motivating and uplifting. And it is very, very hopeful. And uh, the people who have read this book, they actually, they said that they could not put it down. Once it started, they could not put it down because they wanted to find out what happens next. So because it's a personal story, I weave in lessons which they are learning and you can, and, and the reader can reflect on that. And it also actually gives a, a narrative of why people would be like that. Uh, there are, because Although we live in the United States, in the Western world, we feel we are very good. But, you know, we have also been perpetrators of extreme violence towards other people, other countries, other religions. And I always draw parallels. It is the sheikh's uh, son who is questioning the sheikh that how can, how can the United States be so pious? Because they are the ones who committed the worst uh, crime in history when they bombed uh, uh, innocent civilians they dropped not one but two bombs so how do you answer to that so it always brings about for people to think that it's not the world is not black and white there are many shades of grey in between and none of us is so so pious that we cannot improve so it's a story which will appeal to everybody. It addresses, it's a very neutral book. It doesn't malign anybody. It doesn't malign Christians. It doesn't malign Muslims. It just maligns terrorism and violence. That's all it does. And it promotes peace. And there are peaceful, um, peaceful Germans. There are peaceful Jews. There are peaceful Muslims who actually then start coming together and and uh, have a forum where they promote this understanding, promote this religious tolerance in their own communities, in their own congregations, that you see that uh, even though we are going through a very violent phase, at the end of it, we are going to come out being much more peaceful and uh, 
and I'm happy. A beautiful message you have. What was the most challenging part about writing this book, or the most fun? Yeah, so the challenge is, uh, you know, I also have been writing, uh, I, I write many poems as well, and, and I write in English, and in my language, Punjabi, and in Urdu, and I have always been very good at writing, but I never wrote a book which was published. So I set that self as a challenge for me. And it became a challenge, really. And I knew I could do it, and I just had to do it. So it took me about, um, I would say, all together. Uh, in, in my head, I was writing it for many years, probably. But to, from, from once I started writing to it getting published, I would say it's taken about three years because I'm also working as well. And I've been doing that uh, when I was uh, in, a, in a mood for writing. So that was, if you like, the challenging part. But it was a very delightful challenge that I, I feel I, I undertook. And I feel very good, by the way, <laughs> that I wrote the book. And what is most pleasing for me is that it really, I, I feel very grateful to God when people who have already read this book they are giving back feedback to me that how good this book is, how much they have benefited from it, and that they couldn't put it down. So that is the pleasure that I'm getting after doing all the all the hard work. And while doing the hard work, there were some some um, some moments where I felt very very good. I felt very serene. Because one time I was writing one, uh, two chapters. I was flying from Montreal to London, and I never slept during the whole flight. And I wrote three chapters, and it was the most serene, peaceful time that I, I, I spent, one of the most peaceful times in my life. So, yeah, it gave me a lot of uh, grief and uh, not grief, but uh, challenge, real, real challenge. How to put on paper what is in your mind, what is very clear in your mind. How do you put it on paper that it becomes coherent and something that you don't even know will read it and will get the message that you're trying to convey. So this was the challenge, the delightful challenge that I faced while writing the book. That's very exciting. That's really exciting. I love hearing your passion for this and your small moments and when you were able to find the joy. That's really, really awesome. Where can we find your material? Uh, the book is going to be published in, uh, I would say, in a month or so. But uh, there, there's a, a previous book that I also wrote, and that was published on Amazon.com. Uh, it was available on Amazon.com. AxLibris.com, BarnesandNobles.com, uh, Chapters.com in Canada, and uh, also even some people bought it in uh, in the UK, Amazon.co.uk, uh, and it will be sold in um, Barnes and Nobles in, in in the bookshops in all the major bookshops in the United States and in Canada. So uh, just. Uh, Wait a month or so, and uh, it will be available. There is always going to be uh, an electronic copy, which you could get from Amazon.com or xcbs.com. So you just have to wait for uh, about, I would say, a month or so. The one thing I can promise is that uh, uh, whoever has read this book so far, they have. I have had some very, very glowing comments, and that has made all my efforts uh, feel, become worthwhile, and it really is a message. If you want to become um, an active contributor towards a more peaceful world, uh, you can read this book and apply some of the lessons. We cannot just be uh, idly bemoaning what is happening. We have to become actively involved. We cannot be passively peaceful. We have to become actively peaceful. So if you want to become actively peaceful and if you want to have 
personal growth in your life, this book will help you immensely. The book, Peace Through Personal Growth by Sukhvinder Judla. Sukhvinder, this has been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. Okay, and uh, Casey, thank you very much. Uh, again, I feel very honored that you uh, honor, uh, you interviewed me for this book. And uh, my wish and my hope is that as many people as possible read this book and even a few snippets uh, of lessons learned from this book will benefit each individual, each one individually and help the world become more peaceful. Libris returns after these short messages. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Pathways to Fight or Flight, a novel. And the author is Rosa May Carrier. And Rosa May joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Rosa May. Hello, and thank you for having me. Great to have you with us. Very good, very good. Well, let's just jump right in and find out why you wrote the book and, you know, what was your motivation, Rosa May? Well, I always had a passion to write drama stories, stories that, you know, I always created in my thoughts and in my heart. I, when I was a young teenager, I used to read a monthly magazine that published short drama stories. And uh, I had spent, you know, a couple of hours just enjoying that. And I wanted to, you know, talk about women, you know, talk to women. And... Um, to help them. So your book appeals to women. Are there other kinds of folks? Uh, uh, well, I guess I wanted to share with women, you know, um, that they that they don't have to accept what binds them, that they can get off the merry ground in their life and that there is a way to discover their own strengths and talents, uh, to use their God-given gifts, and discover who they really are. Now, um, my audience is um, obviously women. I want to help reach out to women, but also religious interests and self-help. So you want to uh, have your readers learn from your book as well as to enjoy a story. Correct. Absolutely correct. So you're hoping that they will gain a better understanding of themselves. Of themselves, and maybe other women have a better understanding of other women who may seem confusing to them or a mystery to them. You know, maybe more fortunate women uh, can maybe understand that other women in their cycle of life, you know, this is this is why they may seem so mysterious 
or um, insecure or quiet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that alone uh, could help relationships. And um, there's nothing more, nothing better than improving friendships and support for each other. Well, let's talk about one of your characters. Let's focus on Millie Craig. She is the main character. Tell us about her. Her life changed when she was two years old. She was born into a family, a mother and father situation where there was no chance for it to survive. You know, both parents came from, they were two different kind of people. They came from different backgrounds. So they split um, when she was two years old. And um, there was enough selfishness on the parent that brought her up, her mother, so that uh, she, she, you know, everything was a mystery. It became a mystery, a secret as she grew up. She tried to figure things out, but um, all she had to do to go on was, you know, a guess to her. Um, her imagination um, her mother and she were very distant um, she didn't agree with her mother's lifestyle Millie grew up with bare necessities while her mother had a little bit more in life um, she puts herself through school uh, through college she works hard she doesn't marry well she has two children, and she finds the strength to get out of a, a bad marriage. And it, there's there's so much going on uh, that she doesn't have time to worry. She just keeps running. You know, here's the flight in her. Having worked hard, she finds this very old house that she suspects, you know, she'll be able to find new roots with for her children. She wants to concentrate on the love, uh, loving her children, that they are her life, and that she wants them to have an entirely different life than she had. She's going to work hard to turn the tables. And that's her main concentration. And little does she know that um, this very old house in a small rural town uh, a, uh, a short distance away was the roots of her, her paternal roots. She never knew that. And she finds out, um, she gets a hint of it when... She goes into the town clerk's office, the old-fashioned town clerk's office, where everybody knows everybody. And um, so the whispers get around, and before you know it, her father, who she hadn't seen in about 35 years, um, drives up to her doorstep. He knows exactly where she is now because... This old house was part of his old neighborhood, and um, so things go on from there. And she so slowly gets uh, stronger, figuring things out, becoming stronger uh, for the truth, the new truths coming out, and uh, standing up for herself. And of course, her father allows her to do such that he's he's honest to her and then she slowly figures out what happened in her life well a very a very dramatic a very dramatic novel with as you put it strong characters striving for peace truths stability in their lives Uh, let's talk about what makes your books so unlike others with a similar topic I really don't know how to answer this, but I, I've always been told uh, by those who have read my books 
chapters are, are, you know, Pathways to Fight or Flight is my second book. My first book uh, is Fragile Blossom, and it was published in 2007, and that's even more dramatic. Um, but anyway, they I've been told they're page term, turners, and people are very proud of me from for writing the you know for my writings in general my um my choice of style and you know the guts it takes to write about some the different truths in life it's hard for people i think in general to understand the paths of others it's hard to admit and understand their own past, but others as well. Parallels to their own lives can be an eye-opener. And I believe that for some readers, these truths are just hard for them to hear. Where does your story take place? Well, uh, I am from New England, and it's really the only in you know northern new england and it's the only the only truthful place i i know how to make fit into my stories you know so i've i've used that and it, it, like i said it's it, there are, you know the city is like 10, ten you know the larger cities are only like 10 minutes from a rural town so uh, the rural towns where the story belongs or, or the, takes place is our old towns you know very old towns Well you describe your story captivating hilarious, inspiring what was the most challenging part about writing your book? Making uh the seasons fit together, uh, you know, the timelines fitting together. Um, I was very careful about that. And also um, thinking about what, which, how to keep a, a continuous pattern of growth. Um, at the same time, Millie will always have the periods of fight or flight because she's always going to, you know, be recalled back to her past through different uh, moments in life, uh, things that she's unaware of or anybody's unaware of. Uh, she'll be quickly called back to her pain. So she has she resorts to fight or flight, and then she has to pull herself together and go on with her life. And um, also, you know, I think it's very therapeutic uh, for a writer such as me uh, to have a happy ending, you know, um, or as close as to a happy ending as possible. We've been listening to Rosa May Carrier. She's the author of her book, Pathways to Fight or Flight, a novel. Rosa May, what's the best way to get your book? Um, it's through xlibris.com, uh, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. Thank you so much for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Thank you very much, and I really did enjoy this. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life. 
to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled, A Visitation from Jesus. Subtitled, Orders from Headquarters, A Prophetical Breaking of the Bread of the Book of Revelation. And our guest author, Reverend R. E. Tucker, joins me from California. Pastor Tucker, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, and God bless you. Good the to visit. The title of my yes. book is because I'd had a five bypass, and I actually was praying that I would go to heaven because I was under such great pain. And I got up at uh, about 12.30 in the morning and praying that I would go to heaven, and Jesus came in and visited me. That's in 1995. Nine. And he visited me and told me to get my Bible and read it. I told him I didn't want to get my Bible. I want to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, get your Bible and read it and uh, go to Revelation. So I went over to the 22nd chapter of Revelation. I wanted to read it about heaven. He said, no, he called me by my first name. He said, Richard, you go to uh, the 10th chapter of Revelation. So I began to read about an angel putting his right foot up on the sea and his left foot up on the earth. And he said, you know who that angel is? He had a book in his hand. I said, no. He said, well, go to Revelation 5 and read it. Now, he wasn't here in person where I could see him, but he, his presence was here and his voice. He spoke to me as you and I talk to each other. And when I went to Revelation 5, there was the throne of God, and he had a book in his hand, but no one could handle the book. And it, I read where they went into the earth, and the bottom of the earth, they went into heaven, they looked all over the world looking for someone to hold the book, and finally the Lamb, which was Jesus, came and took the book out of the hand. So he told me to go back to Revelation 10. He said, who's this angel with the book in his hand? I said, well, it has to be the Lamb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he said, well, Richard, I'm going to get ready to execute judgments upon the earth because many aren't serving me. And when I start doing these these judgments, you'll know the time is almost uh, here. So... I wrote about what he told me in 95. My book actually tells what's happening today in this uh, 2015 and everything. And then I took the book of Revelation. Each verse uh, I separated, each verse, and uh, dissected each verse to let the people know what the Lord was telling me. So I broke it down. That's breaking the bread. Breaking it down. The book. Yes, you, yeah. you. This is biographical in style. Also, you have uh, not only the uh, the commentary that goes along with the verses, but you also have told personal stories. Yes, I told uh, what I just told you that uh, he said he's going to get ready to execute the judgments, uh, and he's going to come soon. And when this happens, and so now we see it today. And he's getting ready to come and gather his people in the rapture that are saved. <laughs> now, those that aren't saved and those that aren't ready, they will go in the tribulation. The only way they won't, uh, the only way they can be saved is by not accepting the mark of the beast. 
they'll get their heads cut off. That sounds terrible. But see, the Gentile will be fulfilled at that time. Because in Romans it says, uh, 11, it says that the Israelites or the Jew will be blind until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Well, the fullness of the Gentile comes at the rapture of the church. Mm. And then comes the wrath. See, we are born again. We are not called to suffer the wrath, uh, the wrath of God. We are not called, uh, to, like he said, I'm going to put my right foot up on the earth, up, uh, which upon the people, upon, on the pe- the sea is the people. My right foot upon the sea and my left foot upon the earth. Now the earth has to do with technology and, and the stock market and all of that. And uh, he said that time will be no more. Well, time's going to run out as the rapture takes place. There's a time limit. There'll be a seven-year tribulation. And uh, the Jew will finally get, they're blind now, but at the rapture, their eyes will open because they'll see, see, there will be a mass healing at the rapture. Every eye that's blind will see, every ear that's deaf will hear. Mm. Every, everyone that don't have Legs will grow legs because every knee shall bow. Mm-hmm. And every voice shall speak. Those that are in comas shall rise out of their comas and they shall see him in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The rapture is in the clouds. Now, when the second coming of the Lord is to the earth. Now, when he comes to the earth, he doesn't come in clouds. He comes on a white horse and with his army behind him, which is the saints, they were in the rapture. We all get a white horse, white robe, and come back to meet him in the, uh, and come back to Jerusalem. And that's where all of the Jews will be there looking and watching him come because their covenant is to go to Jerusalem. Our covenant is to go in the rapture. That's the born again since when he died and rose from the dead. That's why he said, let not your heart be troubled. That means in wrath or in tribulation. And but he said, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, so let not your heart be troubled. So we that are born again and are righteous before God, we are going to go in that rapture in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. What what do you think and, what do you think are the initial signs of uh of the change that's coming and is is coming as you have right uh, yes sir. Well if you read uh, Ezekiel 38, it's all happening now. The Arab nations will be first. And, and in Revelation 6, the pale horse is death and hell. That's your suicide bombers, and you're killing each other. And then one-fourth of the earth will die. Mm. Now they'll die at the rapture, because the Lord says, uh, as he did Gideon years ago, when you come, uh, when you uh, the Lord took it over, see. At that time, uh, Gideon, uh, every man turned toward against one another. Well, that's going to happen in, in the rapture. Uh, there'll be two. I just heard yesterday there's a 200 million Arabs that's going to come together and start fighting in Iraq against ISIS. Wow. Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel 38, that when this great army gathers there in Babylon, in Iraq, when this great army gathers, that Russia, God, the OG, it means Antichrist, he will have an evil spirit put in his mind. That's in Ezekiel 38. And he will then say, I'm going to go down to Israel and get their, their gold and their silver, and I'm going to, because he's having a bad time. Mm. So, uh, Anyway, that, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. And people don't realize, <laughs> people don't realize that that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, that's some of the signs that we're going to see. Now, Israel mm-hmm. has, has a lot of uh, natural wealth, too, I think, that's not been uh, yes. mined or, or taken care of yet. Well, see, this is why Russia is going to go there. This is all scriptural. Now, if you want to read about Egypt and Gaza Strip and all of that, that's in Ezekiel 30, 
and 32, now Ezekiel 32, uh, every nation that's over there now, and even Russia, is named in Ezekiel 32, and they're all in hell. And they all meet in hell, and Pharaoh's spirit, or the Egypt spirit, he, he is uh, comforted because all of the other kings met him in hell. And uh, not Gaza Strip, but all of that area, and Lebanon, they're going to be, they're all in Bible prophet, uh, prophecy. So we're there, you see. And yes. uh, these signs should come, and there'll be some great earthquakes such as never from the beginning of the world or ever had been. So we're going to see that. Now you've been a you've been a Bible student for a number of years, and also a teacher, correct? Sixty-five years. Sixty-five years. The word. And you yeah. didn't you have a, also another a brother or someone else that was also in ministry? Yes. I got a twin brother. Twin brother. And uh, we both. He's in. He's in Kenya today. Ah. We're both. We'll be eighty-two years old this year, but we're both still preaching. Still active. Preaching. And it's amazing how the Lord has kept us both, and we're in good health. You know. The book, this this book, a visitation from Jesus. As yeah. you felt the uh, the inspiration to write and pen mm-hmm. the inspiration that came from your encounter, mm-hmm. uh, what was your hope in its completion? Well, he told me, uh, Jesus told me to write it. Now, my hope was that this would get out and warn the people to get saved. That's all I care about. I didn't write it for money. I didn't write it to to be popular. I wrote it, in other words, he told me to write it. I never wrote in my life. I didn't even know how to run a computer in 95. Mm-hmm. And he taught me how to run it. And when I wrote a, uh, in the chapters 9 and chapter 13 of Revelation, did you know that uh, the printer wouldn't print it? And then I got over uh, to my church, and the printer wouldn't print it there, so we can't hmm. print it. Hmm. Then when I give the transcripts to the one that first uh, uh, printed, which was Schuler's uh, place where they print the, all of Schuler's books, well, I put it in that printing place, and uh, the man called me, and said, we can't print. Uh, said, every time we put the disc in for chapter 9 and chapter 13, our lights go out. We can't print it. Really? And he said, we had to wait. We had to, the only way we could print it, we had to get the generators to print it, those two chapters. It wouldn't print. And because I described the demonic powers of Satan, See, people don't, there's ten kings that aren't kings, but act as kings. Those kings are actually demon kings. And I named those demon kings. The Lord showed me all of this, see. And they're demon kings that's going to rule. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be, uh, uh, kings that are there today. These, they can only operate after Satan takes over. He can't take over until the church is taken out of here. and But Israel will be hid for three and a half years. The last three and a half years, the Antichrist cannot touch Israel. And it says all Israel will be saved. So uh, people don't realize that. So those that have a, have a negative attitude towards Israel need to take notice. Yes, they should. And they should read this because now there's a lot of professing Christians. They're professing but they're not going to make the rapture because they're not living like Christ wants them to live. They're doing the things of the world, the things they shouldn't be doing. And uh, they're not going to church. And they're living together without being married. And, you know, all this stuff, and they say they're Christians. But they're going to have to face the tribulation, and which I feel so sorry for them. Right. But, see, we we are going to go in the rapture in a twinkle of an eye. So, because uh, the church shall be caught up to meet him. See, we, the Lord didn't save us for for the wrath. He saved us to deliver us from the wrath. 
This is a this is a fascinating book, a fascinating uh, tale that you're referring to. The book of Revelation is a mystery to many people who are Christians and uh, certainly to those who are non-Christians. Think of it as an allegory or some other type of uh, of, of work. Uh, you have broken it down uh, verse by verse and given some wonderful insight. You have titled the book A Visitation from Jesus, which gives a little of your personal background and story and why the book got written. And then you have subtitled it Orders from Headquarters, a prophetical breaking of the bread of the book of Revelation. Pastor Tucker, I appreciate your insight. How do we get copies of your book? Well, uh, you can order them at uh, Amazon or uh, Nobles. You can order them at any bookstore. If they'll order them, they can get them there. Right. And if they want to email me, I can mail them to them. I don't It doesn't matter to me. You know, I never really uh, understood all of it, but uh, I get them out. I can mail them to people if they want them. But I do have a a radio station that's uh, taken my sermons for the last, uh, since 2006. Uh, I've got 190 sermons. I I teach every Sunday, so someone... uh, Put it on a CD, and but anyway, they're playing this every Thursday on a radio on KPAL Radio. KPAL Radio. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. They, they have it on their KPAL. All right, radio, sir. Uh, KPAL Radio Show. Okay. Uh, well, they can and, uh, they can find you by doing a search under Reverend R. E. Tucker, T U T U C H E R, T U C K E R, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, they can find out about this book and a couple of other books you've written and uh, also yeah. maybe connect with you on radio. So thank you, sir, for joining yeah. me today. Well, thank you for calling, and I hope I did all right. You yeah. did a great job. Thank you, sir, and hope to visit with you again for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Right. Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.